0: to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Happy holidays to all. We're recording this on Christmas Eve morning uh, and on day two of Hanukkah. Uh, so, John, I have just one question for you. Have you been naughty or nice?
1: Uh, I'd like to think naughty enough in an age-appropriate sort of way. I mean, um, if I was a member of a posse that would say, like, you know, steal all 18 flagsticks sticks from a golf course at 3 a.m. and leave them all over the yard of a fellow posse member who had failed to run with the crowd that night. I mean, that would be wildly inappropriate now. <laughs> so uh, but mostly I think I'm pretty nice. Uh, life's too short.
0: OK, so that that was purely a hypothetical uh, example, I'm sure. Not something that a younger John Brennan was ever involved in. Right.
1: Uh, not purely is the right word. Um, <laughs> I have to check the statute of limitations here.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the statute uh, probably expired. Yeah, probably so you're good. <laughs> uh, well, I have to admit, John, uh, I've been a bit naughty. Uh, I need to issue a quick correction because uh, mm. I, I got something wrong on last week's podcast uh, when we discussed the shifting spread promotion at FanDuel in Indiana on the Colts. Mm-hmm. I misinterpreted how it worked. I thought you got the line wherever it was when you bet it. Uh, so the people who had the Colts plus 26 or below, lost. Uh, As it turns out, everyone who bet the Colts as part of that promotion got them at the final line of plus 51. So everybody won. Uh, So uh, good job by FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, By my math, uh, just over 10,000 customers took advantage of the promo. And if they all bet the max of $50, which I'm sure they didn't, but if they did, that's a half million dollars that this cost FanDuel. Uh, But uh, something tells me they'll make it back before long. Uh, All right. So uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 71 of Gamble On and uh, for sticking with us even when on very rare occasions we screw something up. If you missed any of our previous 70 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple podcast app. Please subscribe, rate and review or else you're pretty much begging for coal in your stocking. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and coming up a little later on the show, Eric, uh, we'll be joined by iconic bookmaker Vic Salerno, uh, who was recently announced as one of the five members of the 2020 class of the Sports Betting Hall of Fame. Uh, We'll talk to Vic about where the sports betting industry has gone over the last several decades and where it's poised to go in the years ahead. But first, even though it's only Tuesday, it's already been a fairly busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
0: We're thinking that because it's a short week, we might have to include some year-end topics to fill the news well, but uh, nope. Things are happening. Holiday news dumps are in effect, and we start with the big news that broke at 7 a.m. Monday, uh, and that is that Diamond Eagle Acquisition Corp. has acquired DraftKings as well as SB Tech, and DraftKings will go public sometime in the first half of 2020. As of Monday afternoon, Diamond Eagle shares were up almost 10% on the news, while the stock price of camby the company that has been powering the DraftKings sportsbook until this time, plummeted Monday by more than 30%. Uh, apparently, the deal brings with it about $500 million that DraftKings can use to expand in the U.S. Uh, So the consolidation continues. We move closer to a world with a few giants in the U.S. sports betting market. John, how does this deal shift the power balance in the DraftKings versus FanDuel war?
1: Well, FanDuel gained a key early jump with the Meadowlands Racetrack Partnership last year. Uh, It's maintained a Jersey lead that still could be a fine selling point for new states, uh, especially when there's not a lot of options, uh, depending on legislative uh, whims, Uh, and Big M owner Jeff Corral also has a deal with the FanDuel for his Tioga Downs upstate New York track, Uh, though in that case, the key is having a foot in the door for mobile sports betting. Should any of Governor Cuomo's children or other relatives not succeed him as governor someday (laughs) in the far, far future? (laughs) And, of course, DraftKings has a similar deal with Del Lago Casino in New York. Um, Plus, uh, DraftKings has other fires in the furnace uh, is that the phrase? Buns uh, in the oven? No. That, fire, fires something. in
0: the iron? Something like that? Uh, buns buns in the oven bun, is definitely something else. That's definitely something else. Yeah. <laughs>
1: anyway, anyway, DraftKings has been very competitive. And uh now they get bigger, lots bigger. But this is really like King Kong versus Godzilla. I mean, they'll both get plenty of shots in. Uh wait, Hulk versus Thor, is that better? A little more modern? Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, more modern. A yeah. Bit,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> but one of the wait, one of those is immortal and one is human. So both companies want me to say that they're Thor, I think.
0: <laughs> uh okay, I don't know. I I've seen I've seen most of those uh, Marvel movies, but uh I can't say I'm uh, particularly invested in in any of the characters or any of the outcomes. I'll 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 ask my son to uh to put proper perspective on who's Hulk and who's Thor in this and who would win a fight between the two of them and all that. Right. Um I'll cite a tweet here from uh, our friend and colleague uh, Robert Delafave. He tweeted on Monday The rapid consolidation of the U.S. sports betting industry paints a daunting picture where consumers have fewer, less appealing outs, also suggests that smaller operators have no chance to make it and are just burning money in the hopes of getting picked up by a megacorp. Um, So the second part of that take from Robert is, is the really interesting one to me. And the early returns kind of suggest it's true. You know, FanDuel and DraftKings are just dominating wherever they go because they have the existing customer base, because they have the name brand and because they can afford to spend like crazy with promos to attract customers. Uh, And it's going to be hard for a smaller operator to get a foothold. Even someone like Foxbet, you'd think the ingredients are there for them to succeed, but so far they aren't making a dent. Uh, And and they're part of this rapid consolidation too, of course. Uh, But, Yeah, you know, in a couple of years, it might be FanDuel, DraftKings, William Hill, and everyone else has been absorbed by one of them. Uh, Certainly, DraftKings, with this latest news, keeps making it clear uh, that they're one of the ones that will survive. Whether they're Thor, Hulk, Godzilla, King Kong, they're they're (laughs) one of those big ones.
1: Yeah, I I would bet the over on whatever uh, uh, consolidation number there is. uh, Yeah, it's gonna the market's gonna get smaller and smaller and smaller. And really, it's true that some of these companies that are just like getting by now, they'll be happy to be swallowed up.
0: Yep. All right, our next story, it's official. On Friday, Michigan became the 21st state or district to legalize sports betting. As Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed the package we talked about on the show two weeks ago, regulating sports betting and online casino in the state. So Michigan gaming advocates breathe a sigh of relief as almost exactly one year to the day after the outgoing governor vetoed a similar package, now the legislation gets passed. There's some degree of hope that sports betting could tip off in time for March Madness, but that's considered an underdog, especially in a state with 23 tribal casinos. In most states, it's tending to take at least six months between the passing of a bill and the placing of the first bet. Uh, So, John, set a line. What date will we see the first bet in Michigan?
1: Oh, I mean, they'll figure out by the end of January, I'd say, that March Madness is out, and then they'll go through the five stages of grief. Um, (laughs) It's happened in in Pennsylvania in a somewhat similar fashion. Um, I don't picture a lot of mid-year action on the Pistons, the Tigers, or the Red Wings. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think they'll take a breath uh, out there and shoot for August 1st, so they'll have a couple of weeks of wiggle room to get ready for the football season.
0: Damn, that's uh, I was thinking of, uh, you know, going over or under whatever line you set and uh, you, you use the exact same logic that I was using. Mm-hmm. I, f- I figure yeah. if you miss the March Madness deadline, what what else is there to, to rush for? I don't think uh, even if the Pistons make the playoffs, they aren't exactly moving the needle. Um, no. So, yeah, th- I think they're going to be deliberate about it. Uh, and uh, like you said, somewhere right around August 1st sounds about right. Um, but I, I'm very excited for Michigan to join in on online poker. I, I remain invested in the, the health of online poker and hopefully hoping for more interstate compacts. Uh, and if you have a Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Nevada, Michigan compact, and what the hell, throw Delaware in there too. Uh, that that starts to be a pretty healthy player pool.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure they even need Nevada. Nobody, nobody seems to play online poker out there, but uh, maybe because there's a casino every 10 feet, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it would, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey would be a tremendous combination for online poker players. You know, that liquidity issue, if that doesn't solve it 100%, it solves it 95%.
0: Right. Yeah. Nevada uh, chips in a little bit, but it's mostly just during the uh, seven weeks or so of the World Series of Poker that that Nevada sees good numbers because everyone's uh, in in town to play those tournaments. And if they bust out of one, they go back to their hotel room and they they play a little online poker instead. But otherwise, you're right. Nevada is, is not a critical state for, let's see, 52 minus 7, 45 weeks or so of the year.
1: Well, if I'm New Jersey or Michigan or Pennsylvania, do, do I want the, Nevada, the few Nevada players there are? They're all sharps. They're, I mean, they're going to be—they're professionals. The only ones who play out there are pros, so they're going to be stealing money—you know, stealing the lunch out of your uh, your customer base. So I'm not sure I want Nevada in there. Uh, no offense to our uh, Nevada listeners who know that they—that it's true.
0: <laughs> well, maybe a slight exaggeration. There, there are donkeys in every market, but you're right. The, <laughs> Nevada would be a little more pro-heavy and sharp-heavy than any of the others for sure. Um, All right, for our final story, we combine two items into one because they share a date, uh, December 30th, next Monday is both the day that Bet America is launching in Indiana and, more importantly, and what we'll mostly focus on here, it's the day New Hampshire is now expected to take its first sports bet. Uh, DraftKings was awarded the loan contract in New Hampshire, as we discussed a few weeks ago, and DraftKings co-founder Matt Kalish has revealed that December 30th is that planned launch date in time for the NFL playoffs. Uh, There is no date yet for DraftKings' retail launch in New Hampshire, So we'll apparently squeeze one in under the wire. This will make 14 states where you can legally place a sports bet by the end of 2019. Uh, John, let me know if you have any thoughts on this news and toss out a number. How many states will have some form of legal sports betting at the end of 2020 if we're finishing 2019 with 14 states?
1: Well, uh, my colleague or our colleague, really, uh, Jill Dorsen, uh with some New England roots, tells me that uh, there are no bridges from uh, Massachusetts to New Hampshire uh, to parallel the George Washington Bridge or, say, the PATH train where New Yorkers keep uh, spending millions of dollars uh, in New Jersey. So uh, plenty of Massachusetts people will go right over the border, <laughs> but they right. just won't be taking a bridge to do it. Um, so. You know, New Hampshire's going to steal uh, Massachusetts' lunch for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just uh, how it rolls, and uh, legislators don't seem to be paying attention to that. So now as far as the line, does D.C. count as a state here?
0: Uh, Yeah, well, we'll count them, state or uh, or district or uh, jurisdiction or whatever mm-hmm. term you okay. want to use. Yeah.
1: So okay. even so, I still think my line might be 21 and a half uh, by the end of 2020.
0: Hey, you're setting good lines today you're 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 on your game uh because uh yeah we're we're if we're at fourteen with New Hampshire, then there are seven more that have passed laws, so you figure they'll all get up and running uh sometime during twenty twenty which would bring us to twenty one so then it's you know do we get one or two more? Uh, that that pass a law and get it get the sports betting started within the calendar year 2020. I'll take the over, but uh, you set the line at just the right spot. I
1: think. Yeah, I mean these are sluggish states by definition. If they really were on top of this, they would already have it. So right. Um, I can see a few states in 2020 passing the legislation, but doing that and getting it uh, operating by the end of the end of the year. Like I said, these are sluggish states.
2: Yeah.
0: And meanwhile, uh, say a prayer for the New Hampshire sports books if the Patriots go on a oh, season no. run.
1: So what happened to Rhode Island last year? They're still yep. they're still smarting over that. <laughs> yeah. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble on interview.
0: noted a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that of the five new inductees of the 2020 sports betting hall of fame class three had been gamble on guests well it's time to update that stat because joining us now is vic salerno the president of u.s bookmaking and u.s fantasy sports a giant in the race and sports book industry in nevada for nearly 40 years and now a sports betting hall of famer vic congratulations on the call from the hall and welcome to gamble on.
2: Thanks, Eric. It's uh, a great honor to be included with the people that are already in and and the present class that's going in.
0: So I want to start by talking about uh, the company that you're currently the president of, U.S. Bookmaking. What exactly is U.S. Bookmaking's role in the legal sports betting industry?
2: Our main thing is that we are bookmakers. We are, as other countries call it, risk managers, and what we do is we can go into whether it be tribal and or casinos and run the operations from the inception of it, the build out of the book to running the, running the operation, the risk management. So it's really a, from a soup to nuts, so to speak, kind of operation that we do.
0: Okay, so you are you you guys are uh, ultimately a company that is hired by the casino to or, to run their sports book for them. Correct. Okay, got okay.
1: it. Yeah, I'm like I'm wondering. I like to ask some guests um, how they got started in the gambling industry because uh, you know sometimes people tell me they knew as a teenager this is the only path they wanted, and other people uh, had some other plans for maybe trying to get another another type of Hall of Fame someday. So I'm just curious how soon you uh, kind of got the bug for this industry
2: well when i first started reading uh the first thing i learned how to read was the racing form and my family my family were in those years gone by horse racing was the main thing to gamble Mm. it was really horse racing boxing and with a little baseball thrown in we didn't know how to bet on football in those those past years so i started at a very early age and uh uh, when I went to dental school, I was already betting then, and then started <clears throat> running the parlay cards in the dental school for my classmates and anybody else who <laughs> wanted to play football parlay cards. Uh, so and what race, did you,
1: what race tracks did you uh, start out on the, the early on? Well, the,
2: the Southern California tracks, uh, Hollywood Cards, Santa Anita, uh, mm-hmm. then Del Mar. And on Sundays, really, before we had Sunday racing, in uh, California, we would go down to Caliente in uh, Mexico, and uh, they started us now pick sixes. It was called the 49er back then, races four through nine at Calyany. So mm-hmm.
1: that's uh, the tracks that I grew up with. Did you finish dental school or did that, uh, this other calling come oh, yeah. to kind of speak too loud. Yeah? Oh no! I finished dental school
2: and uh, practiced for eight years. I had been in a... dentistry since high school. Huh. I uh, worked uh, for a dentist and and was a lab technician. So uh, I really had a pretty easy time going through dental school. And so by the time I practiced eight years, I really had about twenty years in dentistry. And I was a little bit tired, and the opportunity mm-hmm. came to move to uh, Las
0: Vegas and be involved in the. Uh, Race and sports book business. Hmm. Fascinating. Well you, so you've now been in this business for nearly four decades, as I mentioned when I introduced you. What are the biggest changes you've seen in sports betting from your early days in the business to now? Uh, the, biggest,
2: the biggest change is is that we used to write manually write bets with um, triplicate paper and timestamps, and uh, the biggest change has been computerizing that, having the ability to really both know where, where you stand on a game and also stop any, well, not any, but most types of cheating that were involved in the past years with the writing and things like past posting and stuff. And the other, the other thing, of course, was television We in in the late seventies you know, we wouldn't even get live games. Uh most of them were taped away if that.
0: So then
2: with the invent of satellite television it really, really expanded.
0: Hmm and so those those two things t- together just both the you know the the games on satellite and the computer technology taking the bets that has all uh, helped give rise to this in-game betting uh is that something that you ever would have imagined was possible when you first uh, started in the business
2: uh Imagine maybe, but it was pretty far out there. Even think about that at those <laughs> okay. Uh I mean, we weren't even doing halftime wagers, much less in-game wagers, uh, mm-hmm. when I started. I mean, totals on games were brand new back then. Also, wow. So, okay. okay. Well, yeah, it's more than four decades. I've been since the 70s. So in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 1000s, 10s, and now
0: I'm going to be 20s. A lot of decades. Too yeah, many okay.
2: decades. <laughs> yeah. as, long like as,
0: as long before. as you can still keep count of the decades, though, that's a good sign. <laughs> good, right?
1: It is a yeah. good sign. <laughs> so, you, you look back a little bit there. I'm kind of thinking, look ahead. Uh, I think you, you've talked about how, uh, you know, what's going to happen to the illegal bookies now that more and more states are legalizing, you know, Michigan, the latest one, you know, how how they'll be affected or not affected. And then also, you know, not only what happened to them in the next 10 years, but, you know, you're you're been a pretty uh, a good technological innovator over the decade. So there's probably some things that you might be looking ahead that could happen uh, with uh, sports gambling that maybe the rest of us haven't thought of. So, so what kind of changes for both for illegal bookies and, and just for the industry in general, do you, you see? For
2: the illegal bookmakers and uh, from people that I know that are in the illegal bookmakers, surprisingly, they Their handle or their bets are increasing, and all of them told me is business is up over 10%. And I think what when they reversed PASPA, first of all, when PASPA came in, I thought it was the best thing that ever happened to illegal bookmakers because they they restricted it down to just four states, but in reality, only to Nevada. So that gave illegal bookmakers, I always thought it was written by illegal bookmakers to protect (laughs) their business. Now, 25 years later, when they repeal it, it might be the next best thing for illegal bookmakers. And what I mean by that is, the illegal bookmakers don't have to, you know, they don't have to go for licensing, they don't have to pay taxes, and they have many advantages over the legal ones. And going forward, what I don't think it's going to take out the illegal bookmakers for the fact that they you know, offer better odds. And payouts to the customers, whereas with it, the states are going to kill us with the high taxation. They just we can't make money with it, and so some of the operators are going to lower their payouts. The customers going to aren't that dumb. They will figure it out, and the, the ease. All even the bookmakers have apps, just like we have apps. So the, the convenience is there. And if the payouts are better, the customers are going to figure that out
1: pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, so that's why I'm kind of wondering, Vic, like it seems like what what can be easier than being able to sit on your couch, you know, grab a small piece of electronics like a smartphone, make your bet immediately. You can bet throughout the game. Um, is that is that as easy as it gets, or, or is there a way to make this even easier for the customer? Uh,
2: the convenience is there, The what I've always thought is, and I think what's going to happen is, as as the media gets involved with the sports wagering, the Foxes and Comcast and cable operators like that, I think uh, at home it's going to be easier than being on your computer. It'll be right on your screen. And with your remote, you can make a wager or probably just talk to your TV and say, <laughs> give me, uh, you know, the RAMs. Uh, plus six right now in game. And I think going forward is really going to be, I think the artificial intelligence is going to come in. I see it coming in now where with all these algorithms and artificial intelligence, all that is is computer programs that uh, anticipate or depend on history to predict the future and put a number out there. So I think that's going to come in also.
0: All right. Really interesting stuff. Uh, it's been a, a, a pleasure talking to you, Vic. I think it's safe to say that uh dentistry's loss has been a uh, sports betting's gain. <laughs> uh, so uh, congratulations uh, again on making the, the sports betting hall of fame. And thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. All
2: right. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. And thanks, John. I'll see you next uh convention or whatever. Yeah, Thanks,
0: Vic.
1: You're not going to nickel cheese right. in San Diego, are you? I'll be there in a couple of weeks.
2: <laughs> no, there's too many, too many attorneys
0: there. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> stay
2: away from them.
0: Smart. <laughs> yep. Thanks again, right. Vic. Thank you guys. Two men, Two men. $10,000. Will they
1: run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll.
0: We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first we update our betting bankroll, and it just keeps getting uglier for us, John. Uh, your bets did just fine last week. Uh, you lost $60 taking a shot on the Charlotte money line in their bowl game, but you won $100 with UCF covering the 17.5 point spread on Monday. So that's a plus $40 for you. Unfortunately, I went 0 for 2. I missed the under by a few points in the Patriots-Bills yeah. game, costing us 100 bucks. and I got greedy trying for Daniel Dubois by first-round knockout. I could have played it safer and gone for a smaller profit with a knockout anytime in the first two rounds, but I took a shot, and he got the knockout midway through round two, so that yeah. also cost us $100. Uh, my first instinct, you'll recall, was to bet the Raiders at plus 260 yeah. on the money line, but I changed my mind, and it cost us. Oh well, live and learn. Uh, <laughs> we 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 also have negative results to report on NFL futures bets. I put $50 each on the Colts and Bears to win the Super Bowl before the season began. They've both been eliminated from playoff contention. And you put $220 on the Raiders under six wins. They are now seven and eight and improbably still alive, slightly, <laughs> uh, in the hunt for a playoff spot. Uh, two more futures bets to watch entering week 17. We have Nick Chubb at 20 to one for the rushing title. He's currently in first place by 92 yards. And we have Sony Michelle under 999 and a half yards will win as long as he's held under 162 yards in the final week Uh, so fingers crossed for some positive news for our bankroll next week Uh, but for now we lost 480 dollars this week we we are now 961 bucks below our starting point and we have 1030 dollars on in futures bets meaning we have 8009 dollars available to bet this week and i'm up first and let's place a little bet on some Christmas Day NBA action. Uh, I thought about some parlay options, but I decided to spare you uh, the the aggravation, John. Uh, <laughs> instead, a simple straight bet. Um, I've seen all different lines on Lakers Clippers. Uh, this team by a point, that team by a point, and I found one sports book with the Clippers money line at plus one ten. Uh, that's pretty good, since a they're the road team, but not really. So I don't think you have to factor in any any extra points for that. Uh, and B, I think they're the better team. Um, I'm assuming both teams will play their stars since it's a high-profile, important matchup. Um, and I just like the Clippers getting any kind of plus money here. So let's bet 100 to win 110.
1: Yeah, I I like that a lot. I, I would not be shocked if Le, LeBronny doesn't play or uh, hmm. uh doesn't play much. Um these these modern players, Eric, you know, they just don't, <laughs> they don't, they're not worried about the fans. They're not that going all out. So uh well, you know, it's Christmas Eve, so I would say Tuck in a little once tonight, and while they have visions of sugar plums dancing through their heads, um, you'll have something like my 110 to win 100 with the over 64 points on Hawaii versus BYU in the SoFi Hawaii Bowl tonight. Um, but keep it to like a half cup of eggnog after every touchdown to ensure that you stay awake long enough to witness that over-clinching touchdown.
0: All right. That's, it's always fun to root for the over, especially, uh, while, while having a little eggnog late at night on a a holiday (laughs) eve. That that sounds like a fun plan. I like that. Um, (laughs) For my next bet, uh, the line for total points in the meaningless Falcons-Buccaneers game on Sunday is 48. Uh, it was 49.5 when I looked yesterday, looked again uh, on Tuesday morning, down to 48, even better. Uh, in 11 of their last 13 games, the Bucks have gone over 48, uh, and that includes six weeks ago against these Falcons when the teams combined for 57 points. Uh, with Jameis Winston, you know, even without Evans and Godwin to throw to, you're just guaranteed lots of touchdowns and lots of interceptions. And uh, the Falcons are a high octane offense too. This line is just too low. So let's risk 110 to win 100 over 48 points.
1: Yeah, I love that pick. Um, so my other one is, uh, you know, Ohio State is almost always overrated. Plus they have that insecure and obnoxious the thing. So they're up <laughs> to root for. But this is by far the best Buckeyes team I've ever seen in 45 years. And uh, once Clemson's adrenaline rush from whining about being overrated uh, the, themselves actually dies down, um, I think Ohio State covers at two and a half points by winning outright. And so that's another 110 to win 100.
0: OK, so you are uh, you're you're. Taking them to cover I'm the spread, not half. not on the money line. Okay. Uh, right. Plus I'm, two and a half. Yeah. Okay.
1: Plus gotcha. two and a half, although I do think they went out right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All right. And we finish with the fast five. And uh, John, you're a hard man to gain ground on. Uh, we pushed in our head to head matchup between Houston and Tampa Bay. We both went 3-1-1 one and one on the week, so I remain one and a half games behind you as we enter the final week. Your record is 44-32-4. Mine is 42-33-5. We're both doing significantly better than last year, so that's something, uh, at least. Uh, but we are not competing against our scores from last year. We're competing against each other this year, and I'll need a big final week to catch you. Uh, fortunately for me, I do get to pick last in Week 17. Uh, and because we're recording this on Tuesday morning, the super contest lines aren't out yet, so we're going to use the lines from FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, so go ahead, John. You're up first.
1: Well, Gamble on Nation, you know we and and by we I mean me and all right-minded listeners, we're, we're facing adversity this week. Um, my Machiavellian co-host Eric has boldly signaled his plans to scramble his picks based on my choices for the <laughs> second time in three weeks. Well, I took the high road last week, not notably, and simply stuck with my best five picks in a later pick slot. Um, Plus, we are showing our usual Thursday a.m. slot, mm-hmm. apparently so that I won't have any injury reports to mull before my selections. <laughs> but, uh, and I didn't even get the lines until around 6 a.m. this morning uh, when Eric woke up his rooster. Uh, and I'm on vacation and I'm a night owl. So very little time to work on these. But I will soldier on, just not with the Bears. <laughs> so I feel, Eric, I,
0: I feel like you're laying the groundwork to to make some excuses just in case I pull off the comeback.
1: Uh possibly okay <laughs> uh, all right so first up dolphins plus plus fifteen and a half at the patriots um the patriots don't scare anybody anymore and at worst I'll, I'll be seeking a backdoor cover near the end of this one um jets plus one and a half at the bills the bills are locked into the five seed and a, a likely visit to houston boring to kick off playoff week one uh the jets quietly have won five out of seven i think and uh, for some reason they're really into it so uh jets win this game uh Titans minus three and a half at Texans. Uh, An early Chiefs win is going to lock the uh, four slot in for the Texans. And I don't feel a needed hatred between these two teams to get the Texans motor running to knock out a a division rival uh, or care enough. Um, Redskins plus ten and a half at the Cowboys. Cowboys will be booed at the introductions. (laughs) And the Skins are a modestly improved team with Keenum at quarterback, actually. And they always seem to keep it competitive um 49ers minus three at seahawks to wrap it up in a final game of the regular season um there's no chris carson no left tackle no sizzle in the Seahawks except that Marshawn lintz gets a pregame intro uh and probably little else
0: oh boy well you did a heck of a job making this hard for me uh mm-hmm. so i i have two options for how to approach this uh one was to just uh do my five favorite sides as long as they aren't teams that you also picked, uh, because it would be extremely suboptimal for me to have any shared (laughs) picks with you this week. You know, I just pick my five favorites and hope they do at least a game and a half better than yours. Or I was figuring the best game theory move would be to pick three games identical to you and go opposite you on two. And that way, I just need to hit a two game parlay. Uh, So basically, you know, I'd be 25% as long as I legitimately think you're not on the better side of those two games. The problem is you picked five games that I agree with, four of, four of which were among my best bets that I really wanted to pick. Um, the only one that I had in the sort of neutral, I think I'm going to stay away from it zone was Tennessee and Houston, which you make a good case. It's just the fact that they're getting that three and a half that made me not love that one. So I could go opposite that with Houston, but then I'd have to go opposite another one of these when I really like your side in all of them. (laughs) Or I could go with my five best picks that are not among the ones that you listed, except uh, you really took. I put stars next to my five favorites, and three of them uh, are are represented (laughs) here. The only one of my favorites you didn't go with is Arizona plus seven and a half. I really like that. Uh, so what do I do? What do I do? I feel like I, I have to go with the game strategy move and just try to go head to head with you on two of these. So one of them will be houston uh, i'll take I'll take Houston plus three and a half um and which of the other ones do I want to count on Dallas to cover ten and a half points? Not really uh I, maybe New England finds a way to to cover even though that spread is huge. You know what? I feel like my best my best option here. Uh, is probably to uh, pick against the Jets, to count on them, even playing a bunch of backups to find a way to screw it up. So (laughs) I I think that's my move. I'm going to go Miami 15 and a half, just like you, Washington 10 and a half, just like you, San Francisco minus three, just like you. So what I will need to win is a parlay of both of these things happening. Buffalo covering minus one and a half. And Houston covering plus three and a half. That is what I have to unfortunately rest my hopes on because you did a good job uh, blocking blocking my favorite picks this week.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to hear this. I was afraid you were going to take Seattle. That, that's the one that would scare me the most.
0: Yeah, I thought about it, but San Francisco is just, I think, a much better team. Uh, they're both they're both per, highly motivated here, but losing Chris Carson is another significant blow to Seattle. Uh, yeah, yeah, couldn't quite do that one. So. Uh, all right, we'll see. We've got basically two games we have to watch uh, this week to, to see who wins this thing. <laughs> all, right. all right, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, uh, not just this week, but all year long. And thanks again to our guest, Vic Salerno. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We will be back in the in 2020. But until then, John, please take us out.
1: Well, Eric, you know, I come from a more innocent time when there were no sporting events held on Christmas Day. Uh, Yes, I'm talking about 1970, the year before the NFL had two games on that day. Mm -hmm. One was awesome. The Chiefs had Podolak at 350 all-purpose yards and a double overtime loss to the Dolphins in a late afternoon uh, Eastern Time slot that thrilled me and Pissed off millions of Christmas Day cooks. Uh, you know how pissed <laughs> off? The NFL steer clear of the holiday for the next 17 years. Um, while it still plays on Christmas occasionally, it's now never before 4.30 in the afternoon Eastern time. So families can have the time to get together before or after and and know that the timing. And in more than a dozen states now, thanks to New Jersey's impudence, uh, some will legally bet on the action to tie it and to gamble on. Yeah. Um the NHL on Christmas Day dates back to 1920, long before the NBA existed and when the NFL was in its infancy. Um, the Toronto St. Patrick's defeated the Montreal Canadiens that day. I don't remember that one. though. Um, <laughs> then after 1971 uh, or 72, I guess, the NHL pulled the plug on, on Christmas Day games and Christmas Eve games ever since. So even in recent years, they put a one-week moratorium on transactions that end on December 27th. So no hockey players getting traded or released on Christmas Eve or Christmas. Uh, and they say hockey players are tough. They seem to have a soft spot. Um, but the NBA, as you know – they're a different story. Um, they tried a Christmas Day game in their second year, 1947, when the host Knicks beat the Providence Steamrollers at Madison Square Garden. Yes, the Providence <laughs> Steamrollers. Um, and the NBA has never stopped playing on that day ever since, except for that dreaded 1998 99 lockout. Um, I remember Bernard King, 60 points in 1984 at the Garden for the Knicks, um, never dreaming I'd be a beat guy covering his last NBA season just eight years later. Um, I see the Portland Trailblazers have the best Christmas Day record at 14 and 4 because. Um, well, I have no idea, Eric, but, but they do. <laughs> um, now, finally, we used to have the Aloha Bowl or whatever the name of the Hawaii college football game was on Christmas Day. Maybe partly because the players on at least one of the teams were so many time zones out of sync, they really didn't know what day it was anyway. But, um, but now ESPN rules the bowl season and the NBA. So that's why the Hawaii game gets Christmas Eve uh, tonight and you know, other Christmas Eves. Uh, and with that, a Merry Christmas to all. who celebrate. And to all, a good night. Wait, one more thing, folks. Gamble on.